you guys do our San Diego game last year? Joe, I can't remember where I worked last week. They're going to go for it here on fourth and one. A lot of words, a lot of words. No snap, no play, nothing, right? It's hard. Hard count for him off sides. We have made it. Super Bowl <laughs> week is here. Super Bowl LI, year five maths, tells me, Laurie Horish, that means it's Super Bowl 51. <laughs> Joining me in the booth is one Patrick Stack. Laurie, the road has been long. The road has been arduous, but here we are at the pinnacle of the season, and I'm very excited. I'm very sad that we're not going to have any more football after Monday, but um, yeah, look, it's been, hasn't it been a bloody good season? Even if the playoffs haven't been that exciting, and uh, I think we're going to get an absolute cracker on Monday. It's been an absolutely wild season, and hopefully that makes for a wild Super Bowl finale. You're right, it hasn't been the best playoffs. Um, I think the the game that shed a million Dallas tears against Green Bay was probably the pick <laughs> How of them. Dallas already. I oh, know we got there quickly, but <laughs> it's not about that this week. It is about two teams well represented in the hard count booth. Mm. You're, you've pulled a Brady, ironically, given that you're a Falcons yeah. fan, and you left your girlfriend, yeah. uh, the Chiefs. You could say the equivalent of when Brady left his pregnant girlfriend. The Chiefs were pregnantly in the playoffs. You left them for the Falcons. Yep. And then on the opposite island, on the opposite side of the country, is Melanie Dinyashki. Yeah, opposite, opposite, opposite side of the, the world. world. Unless, unless they've moved Houston to Western Australia. There's a serious chance she's just possibly in Kalgoorlie. Houston's got a bit of that sort of Kalgoorlie vibe about it, I reckon. You know, a lawless sort of wild town. It's a geographically confusing week. We saw Marshawn Lynch wind up in Houston, Scotland, running around <laughs> on a Skittles-flavoured bike uh, harassing kilted shop owners. Yeah, yeah. But just to strain that analogy of me leaving my girlfriend for you know, <laughs> uh, let's say the yoga teacher. Maybe everyone then goes out for a few wines with the yoga teacher, and they realise, hey, she's a lovely girl. You know, she's not just some bimbo. She's got attributes of herself, um, and that's the way I feel about the Atlanta Falcons. I feel like they're the real deal. And yes, I may have pl- uh, borrowed a bandwagon from those left over from Roger Federer's glorious victory at the Australian <laughs> Open. And, ridden it all the way uh, to the metaphorical Super Bowl in Houston, but we're getting right around the Atlanta Falcons. What's not to love? They're the sexiest team in football, Lawrence. Let's God's be honest. Sake. Mel's in Houston. She's there at Super Bowl week. Yeah. We'll touch on that later. We will speak to her later. Can Let's I be say- honest. This is Falcons headquarters this week. This is Falcons fan base for one week and one week only. Oh, yeah. The Hard Count Podcast booth bleeds red. Fly, birds, fly. <laughs> fly, fly, fly. <laughs> Time out for a second. Can we just yeah. address something? An yes. elephant in the room. Mm. There's a big hipster-sized hole where Mel Dinyashki normally sits. There is. And that's because she's just littering that hipsterism all over Houston. I wonder how the Texans how you are coping? taking that. How are you coping? Because I know that you know, you're know you probably ranked one and two or equal one in terms of the biggest NFL quality football heads in this entire <laughs> building. <laughs> Um, and you know she's there, and you're here. That's right. I was it's in a sting. Uh, I was in the country last last what week? Yeah, or two weeks ago. Um, and I'll be all, all things going well. I'll be there next year in Minnesota, hanging out with uh, Vikings, Minnesota. the Vikings faithful, and who knows, maybe the Cowboys faithful. But no, it's it's great to see, have boots on the ground, <laughs> as they say. He fumbles over the words. Oh my god! Like he is a Packers Just running back inside the ten. For all you listeners at home, you know when we complain about athletes being robots and not really saying what they think, <laughs> especially in weeks like this. I'm seeing it firsthand from a journo right here. No, Lawrence th- Horish, you are seething. Let's be honest, though. For some people, like you said, football will come to an end after this week for many. But for degenerate draft nicks like me, (laughs) it just picks up the combines around the corner. 
I'm currently enrolled in the Scouting Academy, drawing 20 hours a week of study that I do not have. Um, <laughs> I have fallen behind woefully, but it's just a buffet to dive. I haven't even had your wedding yet, have you? No. But putting the marriage at risk early, I like to see it. I guess we she knew what she was getting into. did book the honeymoon this week. Where? All right. We, we were thinking Minnesota of... Super Bowl next year. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's before then. It's a few months before then. A ludicrously expensive yeah. um, place in Koh Samui came up. Oh. You're well aware what media most media operators earn um, mm. in this day and age. Lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> it's a place that I maybe Rupert can normally afford, but it came up with an amazing um, discounted deal. Uncle Rupert's got bulk coin. My mum taught me well, Yeah. and uh, me and the missus jumped all over it. Well so this, this cliffside villa with a private infinity pool on the coast of Koh Samui oh, is well where we're done. going. Now, but we better get to football. Yeah, let's I think get we've done the, well, uh, so yeah. without we're, further ado. We're on ado. a tangent. Oh, Who's playing this weekend, anyway? Just one game. Ah, oh, right. Just one game. That it's going to get like... us upright and early. It's going to get you through jury duty nice and quickly on Monday morning, Australian <laughs> duty, time, man. around 10.30. The Pats and the Falcons, currently still sitting as a three-point favourite, are the New England Patriots. Three-point favourite seems low to me, doesn't it, Lawrence? For a team under this dynasty with Brady and Belichick going to their seventh dance, searching for Super Bowl ring numero five, because I don't know what five is in Spanish <laughs> anymore. Yeah, the, the three terms of year 11 Spanish I did have not carried well. They've not matured. Cinco, maybe. That might be Italian. Could be. So when we look at these two teams, and we look, let's start with the Patriots. The biggest, so much to love about that team. I mean, so well Patriots run. Fan. If you watch their game against the Steelers, like we both did closely, and go over the tape, so much time for big conversions on third down. Seem to game plan so far ahead of Pittsburgh. When you look at this game, what's their biggest weakness, though? What's the biggest concern, do you think, for the Patriots, you're looking going, that's that's a chink in the armour that Matty Ice can pierce through. Yeah, well, the only thing I could vaguely think was perhaps the secondary. Yep. But, I mean, I'm stretching. And I just think that that's, it's only a, a weakness in the sense that Matty Ice and his receivers are such superstars. Like, I don't think it's a particularly bad. They don't really have any glaring weaknesses, in my no. opinion. I mean, that was the best I could do when I was given this assignment by one L. Horish. And yeah. I mean, their secondary is solid. It's fine. But I just think it's always going to be stopped to go up against guys like Gabriel Sanu and Julio down by the schoolyard, Jones. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. When you look at it, they've got guys like McCordy. And they've got Super Bowl hero Malcolm Butler mm. in the secondary. And we're talking about that Remember as a weakness. didn't know who he was before that Super Bowl? Well, you probably knew. I had no idea. I've got scouting notes from yeah. him when he was coming in. Right. Um, but no, well, look, he was a relative unknown for almost everyone. Mm. But what you get with this team is not only do they have, you know, a pretty complete roster with, you know, perhaps not a 15-sack kind of guy like the Falcons do bring. Mm. Uh, Trey Flowers topped out for them this year with seven sacks leading the Patriots. But they scheme so well, and they do such a good job bracketing receivers. Um, it's not going to be Malcolm Butler one-on-one with Julio Jones. It's going to be a host of cornerbacks against Julio Jones. Is he going to see just double coverage With safety help over the top. If you look at what they did against Antonio Brown, especially in the red zone, double, triple team. They slant their coverages that way, which means, not to get too technical about it, but there's certain ways that you can line up with a certain personnel grouping yep. and just shift it a little so that the attention squeezes on the dangerous side of the field. So I think the biggest weakness, I think you're right, you can pass on them. And I think the weapons for Atlanta outweigh the weapons the Patriots can bring in their secondary and in their back seven, if you will. Biggest concern for the Atlanta Falcons in this game? Is it Bill Belichick? Oh. Is it their run defense? It's two, it's two, uh, it's two things, and it's their size, because mm-hmm. they are fast, but they are small, indeed. Mm. Um, but I think most of all... Small, indeed. Yeah. Mm. 
No one likes that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, well, you know with Dinyashki away, we're going to get to all no, levels of new seediness. But I think the biggest thing has to be their experience, right? Like the, the, the relevant... I mean, I know that the entire Patriot squad hasn't been there for that seven uh, Super Bowls and four titles like Belichick and like Brady, but they have been around at the pointy end of the season for a long time now. And let's face it, Atlanta is amazing as they are, but this is a relatively new experience for them. Definitely, and you're right, it's a young team. The, the defense, we, you talked about the size, they're athletic, but you know they've got two rookies in the linebacking core contributing in a big way, Deion Jones and Devondre Campbell. Uh, they're going to need guys like Grady Jarrett to step up. They've got a seasoned vet and a guy like Jason Babineau that's going to need to be on the higher end of his often topsy-turvy play. And The biggest concern for me is I want to see, often you see in the Super Bowl, there's not as much scoring in the first quarter that you might expect because yeah. you've studied how teams like to start. Because everyone's saying it's going over. Everyone's saying 60 points plus, yeah, right? Yeah, 70. We're going to break the record of 74, 76 points, whatever it was that the 49ers put up. But when you do have that time to game plan, you can see how teams often script their first drive. So you might get a couple of three and outs early. How are Kyle Shanahan, especially with the offense, how are they going to adapt? Because the Patriots, not just game planning, but in the middle of a game, mm. they will alter game plans and they will alter uh, schemes and they will change their focuses uh, in the middle of the game better than anybody. Can Shanahan and co. keep up, especially when the Patriots look to take away a Julio Jones? Maybe they try and take away the running game. So, But the evidence that we've seen on Kyle Shanahan is that he is basically yes. Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind and <laughs> that he has the answers for he, the offense, right? I mean, I feel like they've got so many strings to their bow with that um, amazing offensive output that they, they can adjust. I feel like the bigger problem is on the other side of the ball. Yeah, it is that side of the ball. And at the heart of everything, no matter how exotic you get blitzing, trying to get pressure on Brady up the middle and the outside, fundamentals need to be there. You need to cover tight and you need to tackle well. The last thing you want to see is guys like Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, Dion Lewis, LeGarrette Blunt getting mm. yards after contact. You can't do that, especially if you're going to give up short passing. Uh, so it's a tough, tall ask for Dan Quinn. Is your expectation that they're going to run the ball quite hard on Atlanta, or do you think that they're going to try and hope to cut them apart like they did with Pittsburgh? I mean, Atlanta's, by most measurements, Atlanta's pass defense ranks around the middle. Yeah. Uh, DVOA has them weighted around 19th, and then, uh, lo and behold, against the run, they come in at 29th. It's not a big front. You can get after them. Mm. Uh, so I would not be surprised to see that. And the other one that stands out is, with those young linebackers that we mentioned, they can over-pursue at time. They're hyper-athletic, but if you're going too fast in the wrong way, uh, that just means you're getting out of position quicker. So guys like Dion Lewis working out in the flat, pass-catching, James White, it's definitely a spot of weakness for me. So I would be surprised if you don't see a big running attack from the New England Patriots as they look to set sail and kind of dominate the time of possession and keep Matty Ice off the field. Who has a bigger impact, do you think, Julio Jones or Hogan? <laughs> I think it's Julio Jones. I think... Because Hogan was pretty... They basically put up the same numbers in their respective uh, conference championship games. Hogan's done this, and we see big chunk yardage from him in you know most of four of his last six games yeah. or something people have been talking about. He's had over 20-yard catches. But way more respect for Julio Jones. Oh, the different ways he can beat you. I don't think there's a single defensive back that can take him one-on-one, -on -one, perhaps in the league, but certainly on the Patriots roster. If they can get him matched up nicely against your Patrick Chuns, against your Duron Harmons, uh, against your Logan Ryans. I don't, think, I don't think there's a way you can stop him, but perhaps you can limit him. If you're bracketing him and forcing him to come back to the ball and you're stopping the... We saw what he did as a Jonah Lomu runner after the catch. Yeah. Uh, if you can limit that... Uh, and limit just how much damage he does with that ball in his hand. We slightly touched on, I guess, how the um, Atlanta defense is going to cope with the juggernaut that is the New England Patriots. We know Vic Beasley's been a dominant sack muncher during the <laughs> NFL 
this season. Can you see him replicating that against the quality of uh, of Tom Brady and the offensive line of the Pats? They need to see it happen. So is um, he? Let me put it this way: Is he the most important player on the Atlanta roster for this game? He needs to be the most impactful. He needs to be the most impactful. That means. The inside guys, they do get attention from the uh, interior of the offensive line. They're not able to double Vic Beasley and push him out of the game. And and he's not out there dealing with two and three chip blocks. And Mm. you can't just sit back there and and, and give him time to operate. It's not going to end well. Let's talk about team strengths. Yep. When you look at the Falcons... It's a lot of them. They're two really good teams. (laughs) I mean, it's funny. We talked on on the passing games. We mentioned the weapons. How important is it to you that the Falcons' run game is going? Yeah, absolutely, because this is what we were talking about in terms of trying to shut them down. You know that with given the two weeks prep, the Patriots are going to come out with a, a really solid play to try and take them apart defensively. I feel like that they need to absolutely dominate that side of the ball. So to get that done, it can't just be the passing game of Matty Ice and his amazing receivers. It's surely got to be the run game as well. They've got to be able to sort of mix and match. Yeah, the fact that so much of their passing game is built out of play action. Kyle Shannon's done such a good job turning uh, Matty Ice into a QB that's accurate on the move and rolling out. Uh, so if you take that away, all of a sudden you're limiting the playbook. Whereas for the Patriots... If the run's not working for them, they've shown the tendency and the ability to still succeed by just going, right, we're not running the ball today. Yeah. Uh, they've been averaging 2.9 yards per carry in the postseason, so that's not good success rate. So they'll just go, right, we're just going to put it in Brady's hands. It's not like that for the Atlanta Falcons. I feel that they need to have balance and effectiveness on both parts. Of that Even if they're passing more than they're running, when they are running, it needs to be keeping the Patriots' defense honest. Otherwise, Belichick and Matt Patricia will conceive of a plan that will boggle Matt Ryan and melt the ice um, <laughs> and have us crying. Why and- did I not see the melt the ice line coming? It was always there. Nightmare scenario time. Oh, do you know what my nightmare scenario is? Go. Well, as we've discussed in a previous podcast... There's a high likelihood that I'm. Well, I have to go to jury duty. Mm. My nightmare scenario is somehow I get on myself on some sort of trial and I'm stuck in jury duty, jury duty all day and I don't see a single snap. What time does jury duty? What time do you report? Awful time. I think you report at ten a.m. Oh no, which is pretty close Half to an hour to before yeah, kickoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pending so, how long the anthem is, and we'll get that yeah, into the yeah. gambling special. And God, I love all that rubbish as well. So um, I'm expecting that I'll probably miss the first quarter at least. We're not drinking too far from where it goes down, so that offers me some scope. But um, yeah, that's my nightmare. Scenario. Are you thinking face paint? Are you going to just be walking <laughs> around just chanting MVP? Well, the worst is I've done, I've got out of it before. But yes, yeah, so that's my nightmare scenario. But let's talk about some of the nightmare scenarios that might face the Patriots and the Falcons. You want to go first, or should I go first? You lead us off. Okay, first I'm thinking the Patriots win. This is their nightmare scenario. Yeah, they win, and it's just joyous. A fifth title for Belichick and Brady. They're so happy. Redemption after all the scandal of the last 12 months. And they get up there and they go to shake Goodell's hand. And Belichick, you know, takes off his hoodie and, and puts his hand across. And Goodell just goes, whoa, pulls his hand away and goes, psych! And then takes the uh, trophy off them anyway and he hands it to Atlanta. There's your punishment. We weren't finished. <laughs> you weren't done. We thought this was put to bed. Take this to the Supreme Court. Nightmare. There's so much potential for awkwardness up there. People, some I was talk, discussing it with someone earlier, and they said that's a bit far fetched, and I was like, "Nah, it'll be sweet." My Patriots nightmare scenario, yeah, is that flea flicker happens again, <laughs> but Brady then a lateral, yeah, over to Edelman, who we've yeah. seen throw the ball. Chris Hogan running down. The evil empire is rising. Yeah, nightmare scenario for the Patriots 
hallelujah scenario for everybody else, trying to rectify the damage that his family has done with Hulk Hogan's recent indiscretions. He turns face, he turns good guy, and purposefully drops the ball. Wow. On a fourth down play, handing it back over to the Falcons. Proves that, you know, in these dark and stormy times, uh, perhaps good can prevail. Speaking of good prevailing... Mm. This would be the uh, this would be not good prevailing. Yeah, this go would for be it. the Falcons. So they, I feel like the nightmare scenario is they get just dusted. They get blown apart by the Patriots, of course. But then, as an added sting in the tail, in anger, Gucci Mane goes on a bit of a like oh, loose no. bender. Not Gucci finds himself arrested. Not sent East Atlanta Santa. Back to jail. Gucci Mane no more. Oof. So not only do they lose the Super Bowl, they lose Gucci Mane. Falcons nightmare too scenario. Much to give. He's got too much music to give the world. We had, we had three years without Gucci Mane. Lured by an incessant yet hypnotic drumbeat, yeah. uh, almost as hypnotic as the vacuum we can hear outside <laughs> the podcast booth right now, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, the thunder and lightning duo, are lured outside to Rob Gronkowski's party bus the night before oh. <laughs> the Super Bowl <laughs> and are frankly MIA for 98 hours. Um, I'm not sure why 98 hours. Maybe we've got 98 yeah. degrees on the mind. Yeah. How's Nick Lachey doing? Pretty well. Causing some stir and reminiscence of, like we talked about last of week. Hookergate. Oh, dear. Uh, when the Falcons' safety before the 1998 Super Bowl went a missing. What was he thinking? Only to be found with hookers by undercover cops. So that's the nightmare scenario for me. Leaving Matty Ice without that run game that we said is so crucial. Yeah. And a really sad 35-12 to 12 victory. Five touchdowns for the Patriots. Four Matt Bryant field goals for the Falcons. You raise an interesting subplot there, and that is Gronkowski. What do we see out of him? Is he going to be down? He'd be down there with the team, wouldn't he? He's there with the team. I'm sure he's having parties, but the you know he's the, the back injury. He's got to be <laughs> careful with that. Look, from all things we've heard, and I've never been to Atlanta. I'm not sure if you have. They're uh, in Houston. I've, I've, I've never been to either. I've of never been to Houston. <laughs> I'm not sure if you have. I've been to Kalgoorlie, but a, <laughs> apparently, twice. apparently, there's plenty of fun to be had Kalgoorlie's in Houston. Bloody great, and in oh, Kalgoorlie too. Yeah. Can you imagine Rob Gronkowski bringing the party bus to Kalgoorlie? Mate, they wouldn't know what hit it. They wouldn't have enough skimpies in that whole town for <laughs> Rob Gronkowski. But apparently, you can get into some trouble there. You know, you can find fun um, in Houston. I so, reckon Rob, Rob Gronkowski could find fun anywhere. You know, it's an interesting offseason for for Rob Gronkowski coming up. I'm thinking, what? What are the biggest mysteries going into the offseason? He had a contract. Uh, he wants a new one. He's got one. He wants a reworked one. But that's a lot. There's, there's, You're in a position to be asking for a new contract. We're right talking now. back injury. He's had severe knee injuries. He's had you know stuff he's on a, his elbows and his arms. He's a jet. He also came out of college with back injuries. So it's a very one of the big mysteries going to the offseason. How is old is he? Up, uh, late twenties. What it's, do you What do you get for him? You get a one. Okay. I think you get a one, depending what the contract status is. Because yeah. I guess when, when healthy, he's one of the best players in the entire sport. Outside of quarterbacks, Outside of QBs, he right? is the yeah. most valuable player. But what he does in the... If he's not healthy, he's, a, he's an expensive paperweight who beds lots of women. Which is just what everybody wants as a cornerstone <laughs> and pillar of their team going forward. Now, those are the nightmare scenarios. Yep. Teams seem to have managed to avoid nightmare scenarios on media night. Uh, we so didn't, far. We didn't have anything too uh, lascivious come out of the mouths. We've seen... Uh, not Martellus, but Michael Bennett offers some uh, introspection into his love life and his bedroom <laughs> life with his wife in previous years. None of that, but there was plenty to be gleaned. One of who's our, doing the gleaning? 
Well, that would be Mel Dunyaski, the uh, third the member of this cleaner. trio, yeah. who is over there on boots on the ground, was there for media night, picking up all sorts of tidbits. Riding around that room in a fixie with her horn-rimmed glasses. Scuttlebutt. I wonder how Houston and the South takes the fringe. They weren't ready for bangs like that. No way. These were the best of the unique grabs that Melanie Dunyaski picked up. Keep an eye out or ear out for Julio down by the schoolyard. Jones, interesting stuff. We got Matt Ryan. Let's have a look what he's going to say. You've got an Australian offensive lineman on your team in the practice squad, Blake. Um, Can you talk about what he's brought to the Atlanta Falcons and, and what your reaction was when an Australian joined the team? Yeah, Blake's been awesome, and uh, it's it's really cool to to have uh, someone from Australia uh, in our locker room. He's a great guy. Uh, he's done a great job, um, you know, working really hard all year, and, and I feel like he's really improved. So uh, I think he's been a great asset to our team. Hey, Vic, you mentioned Migos just then. In Australia, we're still really into dabbing. Do you think that that, that trend has passed? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, the whip is gone. The whip is gone. So what's the next big sack dance? Oh, for me? Yeah. Oh, that's sick. Hey, Alex, what was it like growing up uh, with the same name as the lead character on a kids' television show, Adventures of Alex Mack? Is it a TV show? It used to be in the 90s. You know the chick with the backwards cab? I've never heard of that show. Alex, you share a locker room with an Australian in Blake Muir, who's also on the offensive line in the practice squad. Uh, what's it like hanging out with Blake, and has he introduced you to any Australian customs? Blake, uh, our Australian lineman, uh, <laughs> he's uh, not very talkative for Australian. You know, usually you uh, Australians have a good... Uh, uh, reputation for being, you know, loud or rambunctious, and he's like a real quiet, hard-working guy who just doesn't really say much. Muhammad, well, give a shout out to the Australian NFL fans back home who maybe are big fans of NFL and a big fan of yours. Of course, shout out to all my Australian friends back at home, NFL lovers. Hey Tom, do you get uh, any dance tips from Marky Mark? From Marky Mark? No, no, he doesn't give me any of those. In uh, your your old school, Michigan, we've got we used to have an Australian punter. What do you think about the amount of Australians that going that are going into the NFL at the moment? An Australian in the NFL? Yeah, there's a couple. Australians are pretty good surfers. <laughs> My surf instructor is Australian. What sort of tips does he give you then? Oh man. Whoa, you have a surf instructor? Oh, he's my buddy in Costa Rica, who I pay to go surfing with me. And I think he does it just so he can go surfing with me. Nick, that's his name. Matey. And now joining us on the line is the hardest working woman in football. My God, I hear she pulled a 3 a.m. with no alcohol included off the back of that media day. Melanie Dinyashki, welcome to the Hard Count podcast from the other side of the, uh, the planet. Hello from Houston, Patty. How's it going? Yeah, really good, but more importantly, how are you going? How's Houston? Is it just football fever? Is there a fever in the uh, town? Uh, you know Texas love their football, so it's kind of heightened. Obviously, Super Bowl is an exciting time of year, but being in Texas, yeah, it's, you can just see the city getting busier and busier, everyone getting hyped. And, and also, just not everybody in New England and Atlanta fan gear. There's heaps of fans from all over. I've seen a lot of Dallas fans too, Laurie, just hanging about, probably couldn't uh, get rid of their tickets, hoping their team would make the finale, but didn't. (laughs) No, you know what? It's not even a slight dig because the word is since Dallas and and Green Bay as well, given the national status they have, since they both got eliminated from Super Bowl reckoning, Super Bowl ticket prices dropped 60%. (laughs) So not happy times for the uh, black market dealers there. But we want to know, before we get too far deep into it, have you spent more time in the football world or the country music world, judging by your Instagram feed? (laughs) (laughs) 
I've, I've been to some cool places. I had a little um, little venture into Nashville, saw the Country Music Hall of Fame and Johnny Cash Museum. That was cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, taken in some live music, of course. Look, it's uh, when in Rome, Laurie. And yes. It's been comprehensive, hasn't it, Laurie? I don't know that her football coverage has been quite so comprehensive <laughs> as her country music uh, coverage. I, I've got plenty in store for you guys in the lead-up to uh, Super Bowl Day, which will be Monday morning, Australian time. Um, you can go on site right now, in fact, and check out our ultimate guide and the 51 reasons to watch Super Bowl 51. That's just a taster for you, Pat. There's more to come. I'm excited <laughs> by that. There certainly is. Uh, we're going to get into... Well, you're going to have some stuff from Media Day, obviously, following up the juicy inside oh, yeah. goss you got there and... And then you got uh, you spoke to Blake Muir. Um, how is Blake doing yeah. over there? Is he the, the moment getting to him, or is he the cool, calm, quiet customer we've heard from him so far this season? I think he's, he's in a good frame of mind. I, I think as most Aussies would be in that situation, especially a guy who came into the team sort of halfway through the year. He's uh, pretty surprised by all of it and just taking it all in. But he's a calm guy. Like he's a softly spoken, calm guy, and I think he's just taking it in his stride. He seems pumped, but. Um, yeah, it was great to catch up with him face to face after we've been chatting to him a couple of times on Hard Count in the past. So, yeah, he's, he seems like he's in a really good frame of mind and just taking in the week. It's kind of funny how limited their movements can be, though. He was telling me how basically if they leave the hotel, there's like this big security thing they got to organize just because it's nuts right now. That they they yeah, can't, you know, walk around like normal people because it's a freaking Super Bowl. I know that you were, of course, professional with the likes of Blake Muir, but when you saw your absolute dream boat, the man of your dreams, <laughs> Tom Brady, did you vomit on yourself? How did you cope? Oh, like uh, Wendy Testerberger and uh, Stan from South Park. Correct. Um, yes. So, yeah, it wasn't quite like that, no, Pat. Uh, look, I will admit I kind of let a little bit of a, a smirk, just the, the moment coming to me, I guess, uh, that, um, you know, there's the goat right in front of me. It's, mm. it's a pretty surreal moment, I won't lie. Um, Why was Roger yeah, Federer was... at the media day? <laughs> 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 All right, the goat of tennis or the goat of NFL? Well, the goat of NFL, I mean, I don't know, Peyton right. Manning's chilling at home, Aaron Rodgers yeah. is back home, uh, Tony Romo's picking out housing That's in Arizona by the sounds of things. You are surrounded by NFL media there, and we're going to get into some quick-firing questions about the town and all the goings-on soon, but uh, surrounded by the NFL media as you are, did you pick up on the Carson Palmer news today that uh, he's put his house up for sale, he's pulled his kids out of school, and he's moved out of the state of Arizona? Wow. Wow, no, I did miss that. Absolutely, I missed that. Tell me more about it, Laurie. Well, I mean, those are three pretty big things. I think pulling the kids out of school is the biggest one because players often talk about how much they don't want to disturb the family, but you can yeah. guess uh, which name they've started linking with Arizona already. Shock me. Yeah, uh, one former number nine. Well, still number nine for Dallas Cowboys. No, no, um, they might want to fix that <laughs> offensive line before Romo and his back would arrive in How, Arizona. At, Mel is at the most incredible Super Bowl set, set up, and you're still talking about Dallas and Tony Romo. This is outrageous. <laughs> Can we get back on track here? Tell me about just back the, to Houston. Tell me about the insanity of the media day, because I think you know. Just let me nerd out journo-wise here. I, I can imagine <laughs> yeah, it must yeah, have yeah. been an absolute uh, feeding <laughs> frenzy, a, a media circus, so to speak. Just talk us through the weirdness of it. Yeah, so they had like a big clock on on a screen. It said one hour, and the minute it started, and basically the quarterback, either Matt Ryan or Tom Brady, sat down. That clock started, and yeah, as as you think, you're on on the clock, and you got to get the job done. So you had to really time it. Um, you know, if you couldn't get close enough in one scrum, you had to try your luck with a couple of others and come back. Um, so yeah, it was a numbers game and a bit of luck involved. 
some perhaps some you know good yoga moves to get a bit flexible in between yoga. people. Wow! Um, <laughs> Salute to the sun. So, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> damn with dog. Oh, cool. there was obviously some crazy questions being asked and and some weird uh you know posts around. There was like these two dudes. I think they were from Europe somewhere. They were dressed in like a, a prince and a princess outfit. <laughs> Um, there was a dude in like a really big um, Stetson cowboy hat. I don't know. It was crazy. Laurie's uh, rolling his eyes at that sort of stuff. I find it quite funny. But do the <laughs> NFL purists, because, you know, this is obviously the biggest game of this season, do they get really pissed off with all that sort of stuff? They kind of like oh, to get out of the way. I don't think so. I reckon media, media day nowadays, it's like they all expect it, you know. Yeah. Um, there was Ed um, Kell from Kinnan and Kell. Yeah. Remember back in the day? He showed up as Ed from Good Burger, was like asking all these guys the questions, and the players loved it. The players seem to love it, yeah. Yeah. He and Jalen Collins doing the You're a Dude, I'm a Dude song. (laughs) It was all happening. Oh, it was great. I loved um, him and LeGarrette Blunt just growing out. Uh, he was taking good burger orders, and they were like, I want a Super Bowl trophy. I have to say, there's there's one disappointing thing. The most disappointing thing I've seen from Julio Jones this year was that when Ed was trying to take his order, Julio's not into the beef patty. I don't. He asked for a chicken breast burger from Good Burger. Hey, you got to stay lean if you're Julio <laughs> Jones. None of that red meat. <laughs> so, Mel, who was your MVP from Media Day on the ground? Look, you mentioned Julio. I gotta say, listening back to like um, the the brief section where I was I was there listening to him um, and answering some questions and stuff, he was pretty open. Did you know he wanted to be a lawyer? Did you guys know that? No, I no. found that really fascinating. What, was he a big Ali McBeal was... fan back in the day? What was, did you watch the Rainmaker? With... Maybe he's the only thing that can save suits at this point. <laughs> no, I didn't get those particulars, but yeah, he was studying like criminal justice. And because the question was, what would he be if he wasn't a wide receiver? He's like, I wanted to be a lawyer. Wow, wow. I think that's kind of it. Um, and he was just pretty honest and stuff. And uh, yeah, we asked him a couple questions. But uh, yeah, I would say he was pretty good. Tom Brady was honest, and we saw he got uh, quite emotional yeah. uh, to one question. But he also dodged a couple too. There was some, you know, Trump-related uh, yeah. questions. Uh, some of that was more statements than questions as well, mm. but that's to be expected on media day. It gets kind of uh, crazy. Yeah, and Matt Ryan, was he gave a shout-out to Australians and said he was watching the Australian Open a lot lately. So, oh, Matty Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to pick just one, but I'd say Julio was probably the best because he was the most honest, you know, and the he most open. He is the best of all. <laughs> Matty Ice being a tennis fan <laughs> is the least surprising thing ever. <laughs> and I will say about Tom Brady, you know, it, it's come out that part of the reason he got so emotional talking about his dad was um, there's been some health concerns around his mum over the past mm-hmm. 18 months and obviously it's been mm-hmm. a bit of a strain on the family. So it's a rough thing for any family to go to and you never like to see that. But pretty unique to actually get that kind of window into Brady's life. You don't normally get that beyond the pictures of him and Giselle, but... Moving on from the MVP media, I wonder, were there any media crushes for you there, Mel? Any kind of reporters, journos? <laughs> Did you stumble across the tall, long limbs of Chris Collinsworth? <laughs> no, I didn't spot uh, old Chrissy C around, but uh, I did see um, uh, RJ Ochoa, who is the guy who is your mate, yes. Laurie, who is a Dallas Cowboys podcaster. I uh, ran into him, also ran in. Uh, well, I saw Katie Nolan as well. That was oh, pretty cool. Massive Fox- crush on Katie Nolan. Yeah, she's uh, very well liked a garbage time host. Um, but probably the the best one was the interaction with Trent Dilfer. I thought that was pretty fun. Oh, we threw that. You and Trent yeah. Dilfer friends now? Oh yeah, we tight, we tight. No, I was I was uh, asking old mate Tommy B a question, and as I was wriggling out, I turned around and Trent Dilfer's behind me, and he's like, "Hey, can we switch places?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'm on my way out." 
And then I sort of squeezed by and like, I liked your questions, by the way. Oh. oh <laughs> Do you feel as though the Australian um, accent is opening doors or closing them in the uh, NFL sort of ooh, situation? I, I think it's opening them, especially on media day, because it's such an international event. There were heaps of guys from around the, like around the world, a couple of German guys and um, some British dudes. and Yeah, there was people from everywhere. Japan, oh my God, the Japanese reporters are so popular with the players. Really? So yeah, absolutely. Opens doors, yeah. Are you turning the accent up? Because you don't have a yeah. harsh accent. All three of us in here have relatively tame ones. Are you turning up the Dapto in your accent? Are you really, Dapto. shout out to Dapto, <laughs> are you really winding it up? Well, I've been told that I sound very Australian on our podcast. So, yeah, I think I probably do when I talk about sport, but it's involuntary and yeah. whatever. I'm Australian. <laughs> Time to get to brass taxes. We know where your heart mm-hmm. lies. Prediction and why for Super Bowl 51, Melanie? Well, I think it's going to be a close one. Historically, the last couple of Super Bowls have been super close. I don't think it's going to be um, more than a touchdown in this one. Um, I'd have to lean towards the Patriots just because they've got more experience. They've got the uh, that duo of Belichick and Brady, and still not that long ago they were at another Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, I've got to say them over Atlanta. But, you know, no hate against Atlanta. I think this is going to be a great game. has the potential to be a high-scoring affair as well, which would be awesome to watch. If there's a player that's going to surprise everybody, but maybe not surprise you, that no one, that people aren't talking about as much as your Julio Joneses and your Matt Ryans and your Tom Brady's, who's it going to be? Oh, that's a really good question. I know. Um, <laughs> well, I did. I spoke to um, I spoke to Stephen Goskowski, the kicker for the Patriots. Um, any mention of of him being sort of off this season, he didn't seem to take too well. So I think he's going to come out uh, and really make a difference. I know the kickers don't really get much props in the game, but, yeah, I think, you know, he might have a role because he's been a little shaky this season, but no better time to get on target than the Super Bowl. Well, I think you might be right that he might make a difference because I am leaning my bank account towards there being a missed field goal in this ah, one. It could be Goskowski, but you cannot discount the history of people missing kicks against the New England Patriots. <laughs> Mel, there's all sorts of murmurs swirling that leaks are coming out about Lady Gaga's opening song. Where do you rank as a Lady Gaga fan? And have you heard anything that's going to help me and Stacky pad the bank account? Oh, um, look, I'm not one of her... I wouldn't say I would call myself one of her monsters, which is her fan base. Well, you know that but, much. Uh, so, so, yeah, I know, I know that much, exactly. But uh, I seem to absorb a lot of pop culture as opposed to actually being involved in it. But um, no, I would say that she'll probably either open with Perfect Illusion or Born This Way. You know, I reckon there'll be a little political statement in her songs because Has obviously be, right? she's she's... Yeah, she's real big in the in uh, the LGBTI community, and mm-hmm. I reckon she's going to go large, especially with you know Trump being such a recent issue as well um, in the states. So that will be fun. They reckon she's going to be like hoisted from the ceiling, from the roof as well. Well, they, they're going to drop her down or pull her up. No, I, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, apparently she's going to do like a majority of the show in the from the roof of like from of the of the dome. Could be the next Nikki Webster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a great career she had too. Yeah, really um, took off you know the what though? You know what I'm really looking out for guest appearances because they've been very hush hush about this. They reckon that no, it will just be her by herself. But can I just mention Beyonce is a native of Houston. A a. Uh, expert in Super Bowl performances. She's only been on like the last um, seven. I say more Beyonce. <laughs> Let her play as yeah, well. And, more. And her and Lady Gaga had that song Telephone, Telephone. together. What about Solange? Uh, and then, 
Is there, can I get a market on Solange is appearances? There, is there any <laughs> gag about Tony, uh, about Tom Brady and telephone? Talk about special guest appearances at halftime show. There's talk that Kevin Parker, the uh, lead oh, singer from Tame Impala, Australian band, um, who has worked with Lady Gaga on her recent album, may appear as well. So that would be a cool Aussie he's connection. Just, he's going to do a big show. Tame Impala style ming out, like you know when they just get really, really <laughs> deep down the rabbit hole. Just having the big jam sessions. I hope so. No, nah, he'll just he'll just be like the session guitarist on okay. her show. I reckon. Aussie cool. musician mings out in Super Bowl halftime show. It's a headline none of us saw coming, but we do love Aussies in the NFL. Melanie, before we farewell you off into the I won't say uh, Houston night, the Houston early morning. We're hoping that you're mm-hmm. having a huge time in Texas, Mel. We're going to see you back in the booth Thank in a you. couple of weeks. Couple weeks, couple weeks. Yeah, Have it'll a be um, a little bit of a road trip after the Super Bowl, so. But I'll manage to get back there at some point. Okay. And go to foxsports.com.au to catch all the live coverage because they're doing a bit of work while there. There will be plenty. You have a phenomenal time over there and say hi to Mama Dinyashki for us. <laughs> we will. Thanks, Laurie. Thanks, Pat. Well, that's bye-bye for Mel. Ta-ta to Mel. But it's still us here. and We've got a couple of predictions ourselves. God, I've been agonising over this for a week and a half, actually, wondering who I'm going to go with. Because I like to make just ridiculous bets on teams that I like. You know, mm. some people like to he- do the emotional hedge. And yeah, you, and the reverse gamble on, and, yeah. yeah, you gamble on the Patriots. But I tell you what, there's nothing sweeter than the team that you're cheering for and you've gambled on them as well. That is a very good feeling. That is very good. Normally a bad um, hangover, but a very good feeling in the moment. Yeah, correct. But, uh, yeah, so I've been agonising over this one. So, you, I don't know, maybe you go first and you can see if you can sway me. My prediction, way. I believe that Kyle Shanahan, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones... Taylor Gabriel, Mohamed Sanu, Austin Hooper, Defonte Freeman, Tevin Coleman, not to mention the offensive line led by Alex Mack. Offense from Atlanta is as in sync as Nelly and Kelly's shoulder bounce in Dilemma. Kelly Rowland, Atlanta product. And the Falcons win this one, 27-24. The first Super Bowl victory for the Atlanta Falcons, sending uh, Bill and Tom and Martellus, and Julian, and Co. Uh, even Chris, despite his face turn in the middle of the match, uh, send them home packing and teary. Crying all the way back to New England, do you think? Not the first and not the last tears we will see from Tom Brady this week. Wow. What? Yeah. In case you can hear any sort of wild cackling there, that was Mark Bosnich uh, preparing for the Bill and Boz show. They are... Uh, he really does come to life. As you he can be corridors. soundproof, but you can never be bosproof. <laughs> Correct. Prediction time. Uh, yeah. I. What's the line? What's the line? The line is... No, no, for three total points. points. Total points. Oh, total points is up around 58 and a half, 59. Oh, it's only 58. Yeah. Right. Okay. I think it'll be 30 to 27. Oh. I can't not... I'm going... The, I said the first podcast of the year that the Patriots would win, and I'm just turning on that. Fantastic. To go for the Atlanta Hawks, 30 to 27, in an absolute boil over. Matty Ice getting it done, and Julio Jones, three touchdowns. That's ridiculous. Gallops yeah. in there for three touchdowns. Yeah, I'm going crazy. Three touchdown receptions yep. for Julio Jones. If there's one man that threatens our predictions more than any for me, mm. uh, and, and threatens a Pats victory outside of obviously Tom Brady throwing the ball, I do think it's Deion Lewis. I think this game. Could just be a neon Dion show. So, in terms of your, you're saying the most impactful people you suggest were Vic Beasley before, and you're mm-hmm. saying Dion Lewis for the Pats. Very scary, okay. very scary proposition. I don't think they've used him anywhere near to his full potential so far this season. Greg Cosell 
brought up that the Patriots had used a particular formation 10 times all season going into last week's game. And then they busted it out 19 times in that one game against the Steelers. Yeah, this is okay. the type of Machiavellian, He's a genius. hidden genius secret nastiness that Belichick provides. That's going to take us out of here. Mm. We are going to be at the East Village Hotel. Yep. The sports bar. Just tell me, if anyone wants to kill us <laughs> for our wild takes... But it's been a huge year. It doesn't end great. just yet. We will be back early Are next gonna week. Are we going to wrap the game? We will wrap up the game, but we might be back a little bit earlier with a little uh, little Super Bowl oh, yeah, prop, we'll do that. prop crazy novelty bet special. It's like we're following some sort of podcast model. All art is imitation. Isn't that what they say? And the <laughs> kindest form of yeah. flattery is... Uh, the best art steal. They don't borrow. So art is steal. There you go. We're going to steal our way on out into the night. It's been a late one. It's, it's uh, been a good one. I don't know if it's been a great one, but it's been a good one. I hope you enjoyed it, everyone listening at home. And we will Much be pumping love. out content throughout the week. Make sure to jump on to foxsports.com.au. Yeah. Until then, okay. we will see you next time. Bye.